Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here with Stephen Ellis as always. Stephen Today we're going to talk about the mid-season top 300. Feels like a signpost episode, but before we do that, as always, what's the update on your team? Well, first off, that's a lot of work you've had to put into the 300, so that is awesome. Uh, for my team, oh my, what a final day that was. Um, the schedule is obviously going to be a little weird with the, the lack of games over the next little bit, but I had a good battle with the first place team. I was leading most of the week, and then on Saturday night, I think it was, I was losing, and then come uh, Sunday morning, I, I needed basically 20 points in that final game. Basically, I needed... My goalie in that case, uh, Joey Decord, to play amazing. And then I needed one of my forwards, which I think actually the only player I think I had in that game was Jordan Eberle. I needed Jordan Eberle to have a great game. He had a three-point first period, and that got me 23 points. It didn't matter what Joey Decord did. As long as Jordan Eberle didn't get scored on multiple times, I had won just off of Jordan Eberle. So just like at the World Juniors in uh, 2009, Eberle was very helpful for me, very clutch. In my other pool, I lost by half a point um, on the final basically because Joey Decord allowed a goal um, mm. near the end of the game. So that one hurts uh, losing to the last place team. I am now last in that pool, but uh, uh, I'm kind of in tank mode, probably not returning next year anyways. Um, but I like the, uh, uh, you know, beating the, the top team in my 16 pool was huge because it is a very difficult uh, pool to win games. in. how about you? How's your pool? Nice. It's funny that Jordan Eberle was tied to both of our fates in different ways. For me, the suspense all week was that I was winning, which I don't want to be winning. I'm trying to tank because if I make the playoffs, I get three keepers. If I miss, I get four. My team's not really <clears throat> a true true threat. So the suspense was I was winning like 9-2 in my head-to-head -head matchup. I was like, no, I don't want to win. That's A 9-2 victory would put me back in a playoff spot, which would literally cost me Miro Heiskanen if the season ends. I have to give away Miro Heiskanen for nothing because he'd be my fourth keeper. Uh, and then Jordan Everly had that three-point first period on Sunday. I'm like, oh my God, I'm winning. And then luckily my opponent pulled out some category flips and ended up beating me like by a pretty good margin. So thank God I actually took a loss, but it came down to the wire. I was winning all week. 
So I ended up dropping. Now I'm comfortably out of a playoff spot, which is where I want to be. I also traded up. I've never done this before. I traded up in the first round of the draft. So I traded like the, I have the 12th overall pick and I traded that and Vladimir Tarasenko for the eighth overall pick. So I'm doing the paperclip into a house thing slowly, but surely improving my standing for next year. Uh, but Steven, let's move on to the pickups now, my friend. All right, let's start off with a guy who's been very helpful for me this year when I've needed uh, someone, especially on the weekends, and that is Charlie Coyle. Yeah, it's a bit of a mea culpa for me. 58% available. Um, I ignored him too long. I sort of dismissed him as an option this year. I know he was going into the season, one of Boston's top two centers, but I was higher on Pavel Zaka. And to me, Charlie Coyle has always been just a guy. But for now, he's still in that top six. He's centering the top power play unit. He's got 18 goals, 42 points in 49 games. That's usually what he gets in a full season. And last 17 games alone, eight goals, 21 points. So he's really emerging as a viable fantasy center, even in a shallow format. Maybe that changes if Boston finds the assets and trades for another center. But for now, he's actually answered the bell more than I ever thought he would. So I will admit defeat. I was wrong about Charlie Coyle. He's been valuable for me when I've picked him up in my my 12-team league, so I am on board there. Uh, looking at the complete opposite end of the standings, let's look at Troy Terry. Troy Terry of the Anaheim Ducks, available in 61% of Yahoo leagues. I've never actually been a huge fan of him. I find him very streaky, and even though he profiles sort of like a sniper, it's not like he's shooting the puck 250 or 300 times, so he's not really a true sniper. And he doesn't hit at all. So if you're in a category league or banger league, he doesn't, he's not going to help you in many categories. That said, Troy Terry does have a history of going on major heaters. And when he's on one, he can carry you for short stretches. Right now, eight goals, 19 points in his past 17 games. So I'll admit it, Troy Terry is on one of those heaters. So you do want to add him now. If he's available, ride him for a few weeks. Sometimes his heaters can last 20 games at a time. And it's worth having him at the moment. Okay, and now we're going to look for our uh, deep league pickup. We're going to look at Tate McRae's least favorite NHL player, Cole Cylinder. Do you yes, understand is, what I just said there? Of course I did, and I was uh, already going to make a Tate McRae reference. Of course, she's one of the captains of the All-Star game. You have Cole Cylinder, who was her former boyfriend, I believe, and I think the song Greedy is about him, as far as I know. And he's the one getting shafted at the All-Star game, nowhere close to it. That said, Columbus, this is a tire fire organization right now. And Cole Stillinger, he does have that first-round pedigree available in 96% of leagues. He is centering the first line, the power play, first the first power play unit as well. And his stats aren't popping yet. It hasn't really paid off, but the opportunity is there. Just that role alone means he should be owned in a deep league because theoretically it should lead to some points. So it's not the most ringing endorsement, but that's why this section is for the deep league recommendation. And I do think it's worth grabbing Cole Sillinger if you're in one of those types of leagues. All right. And the WTF pickup of the week has unfortunately hurt me um, by other my opponents picking him up in recent weeks, and that is Dallas's Thomas Harley, a.k.a. Harley Thomas. Yes, that's right. And this is sort of the life cycle, I find, uh, of some of the pickups I recommend. Early in the season, they're in the deep league section. People don't catch on. And then later in the season, I recommend the same player again in the WTF category. And that's Thomas Harley, still available in 58% of leagues. And I don't really know what people are waiting for. This is a young stud of a defenseman. He's playing great. He's got the first round pedigree. He's got 17 points in his last 20 games, 44 shots, blocking a lot of shots too. 
And I don't really see Miro Heiskanen coming back from injury as a major threat considering they're playing together now. Heiskanen has moved over to the right side. So there's just every reason to add Thomas Harley. It seems like Dallas, who just over and over, they just find great players outside the top 15 or 20 of the draft. They've done it again. And that director of amateur scouting, Joe McDonnell, has just he just doesn't miss, man. Thomas Harley's another one. So he should be owned in far more leagues than 42% of leagues right now. Harley was a guy I was very high on as a draft prospect, Mississauga Steelhead's defenseman, and just it took a bit, it took a few years of like, all right, what's he going to do? Is he going to get his opportunity? Now he's showing the promise that we knew he would be able to, and I love to see it. Now that's the end of the pickups, but what is this week's tip of the week? Yeah, the tip of the week, I would describe it as not all hot streaks are created equal. And that's important because at the top of every one of these shows, we talk about essentially players who are on hot streaks because that's sort of why they pop start getting added and often it's why i recommend them but you have to break down the cause of every hot streak before you can understand what to do with that player so the ones that have an explanation are the ones you should chase does the player have a high pedigree so for example cole sillinger do they have a good role that's cole sillinger again charlie coyle they're the earlier guys I've recommended in the show. If there's a good reason to add them, they're playing with other elite players. They're playing in the top six. They're playing on the power play. That all makes sense. And when those guys start scoring, those are the hot streaks you want to chase. Jonathan Durant being a great example, really went off because he's playing with Nathan McKinnon and Miko Ranton. And of course you want to add Jonathan Durant. But when you see someone in a marginal role suddenly exploding, that's the type of hot streak you don't want to trust. And I want to use Michael Carconi in Arizona as the case study here. Is he Carconi or Carsoni? I don't, I'm not sure. I think it's Carconi. It's Carconi. Yeah. He had 13 of his 15 goals this season in a 20-game span. And he did that in a bottom six role. He wasn't on special teams, had a crazy high shooting percentage. It was not going to be sustainable. And what happened? He's got one goal in his past 19 games. And you could see that coming a mile away. He wasn't actually playing that much. He wasn't playing with good players. He wasn't being given a high, le high leverage type of role. He just, pucks were just going in. So when you see a hot streak, do your homework and break down the why. That's the most important question when deciding whether to add a player or add him if you want to trade him away. But that's why not every hot streak is created equal. Yeah, it's why I every time you see a fantasy, a guy that's just been on a hot streak and they've never really done it before, I'm just kind of like I'm a little more weary on there. Now, you know, mentioned Jonathan Drew in earlier. Like, I've picked him up, I've dropped him this year, but man, this like he's. I'm, it feels like he's actually legitimately back. Like he's going to break 50 points at this current pace for the first time in quite a long time. But I don't know how much do you buy into that? Is it is it just like if he's away from McKinnon, do you have any belief in him at this point? No, I don't think as much as he's away from McKinnon, but right now, like he's just getting that time with him. And like you're, we're seeing games where he's playing 27 minutes. That's insane. Yeah. Like they're using him for everything. And part, part of it is because of the injuries, but Chushkin's still out in player assistance program, right? So the opportunities aren't really going anywhere. So I, I'd keep riding Drew. I have him in my own uh, deep pool right now. All right, so that's that for that. Uh, it's special segment time, and this is the Matt Larkin show. I, I stole the show at the World Juniors a couple weeks ago, but this time it's all top 300 noteworthy players. So where do you want to start? Yes, the top 300 will be dropping on Thursday. So if you're listening to this podcast before February 1st, it'll be coming out on the Thursday. Uh, but we're previewing it with some of my hotter takes in terms of the, the players that I know are locked into certain spots. So first, I want to talk about the decision at number one which is kind of funny. It's like I'm literally at the top of the list and I'm already struggling to make a call, but I think it's actually an interesting debate. Connor McDavid versus Nathan McKinnon at number one. McKinnon has earned number one overall 
player status with what he's done this year. He's an absolute horse. He shoots the puck a ton as well, just dominating the league on pace for, I think last I checked, it was 130 or at least 130 points. But Nathan McKinnon has missed at least eight games in each of his previous four seasons. And Connor McDavid coming on strong, of course. Oilers have won 16 straight. He's got 51 points in his past 27 games. And these rankings are for the rest of the season. Uh, I'm using McKinnon's injury history as a tiebreaker. He just always gets nicked up. And it hasn't happened this year, but it typically does. So that's why I break that tie and put McDavid number one. Little bit of disrespect to Nathan McKinnon, despite his amazing work. I have him in number two. So higher than I had him at the start of the season, but not number one. I will say that I, the guy I'm facing this week, Mariano, uh, he's got Nathan McKinnon. And every week I try to acquire him, whether it's throwing Jordan Eberle at him or Colton Parenko, you know, these superstar guys that should be able to get Nathan McKinnon back in a trade. He keeps declining it. Um, would you suggest that he trades Nathan McKinnon to me? Uh, I would. I, I think you could get a crazy haul for Nathan McKinnon. Like right now, imagine you can get Leon Dreisaitl plus something else for Nathan McKinnon. I think that's the type of deal you want to explore because especially if Colorado keeps winning and they're in a comfortable playoff spot, what if they need to rest McKinnon at one point down the stretch? He gets nicked up. They want him healthy for the playoffs. I can see that happening. It's kind of like in Evgeny Malkin's prime years. He always missed, you know, 10 games, 12 games. They kept him fresh for the playoffs. I think McKinnon is eventually going to settle into that type of existence. All right, so Mariano, he ignored Leon Dreisaitl. He said Jordan Eberle for Nathan McKinnon straight up. <laughs> uh, next uh, pick here in the top 300, Jeremy Swayman of the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I surprised myself ranking him uh, this high. So again, my rankings as we record this are not finalized, but I have him in the vicinity of the top five goalies. And again, he's in that timeshare with Linus Ulmark. So it did surprise me that I have him this high, but... I think he is the most reliable goalie in the NHL for rate stats. Right now, I think he's surpassed Ilya Sorokin for that unofficial title. Uh, in his career, he's been between a 921 and 914 uh, every season, and even a nine. Or sorry, he's been he's 921 right now, and he's been between a 914 and a 945 every season. He'll get those 25 to 30 wins. So yes, he's not going to be a 40 win guy because Allmark plays too much. But if you just want someone to be really good every time he plays then Jeremy Swayman is your guy. Yes, the same guy, Mariano, has Swayman and Omar as his two goalies. And uh, I kind of suggested he try that strategy. It's, it's, it's working very well for him. Connor Bedard, not playing right now. Broken jaw. Uh, I believe he still might be showing up at the All-Star game to at least be involved in some stuff. But uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Connor Bedard was a very tough player for me to rank. Uh, and I've been sort of moving him around. Maybe I'll just pull up my rankings just so I can give you a sense. Again, these are incomplete at the, at this time. But for someone who's dealing with that broken jaw, we don't know the exact timeline. I have him currently sandwiched in between Cole Caulfield and Drake Batherson. So that's still a pretty high rating for a guy who's injured and not necessarily that close to returning yet. But I still love what we saw from him in that roughly half a season he played. He was at better than a 30-goal uh, pace, close to a 70-point pace, shooting the puck a ton. And who knows? Maybe this little rest won't be the worst thing for him. He comes back shot out of a cannon and confident. I don't expect him to be tentative going forward. He's such a competitor. He's strong as a bull. So I, I do think he'll be the best rookie going forward once he comes back. And I've, I've kept his rating reasonably high because of that. Yep, I agree with that. I have him. I'm holding on to him as a keeper, but like I really would love to drop him because he's like my worst player I have, basically, which is a great situation to be in when Connor Bedard's your worst player because that will not be the case for very long. But we we like to. I was a little bit evil when I put together how our pool was going to be, and being a minus player really hurts you. 
unfortunately, Bedard is a very heavy minus player playing on the Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. So that happens. Um, all right. Evan Bouchard of the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, Evan Bouchard. So as of now, I have him as a top three fantasy defenseman for the rest of the season. And going in, the hype for him was pretty high. I think he's met those expectations in every way from a fantasy perspective. He is that point-per-game stud, give or take roughly a point-per-game, power play points, part of this rolling Oilers offense. And really, it's like, okay, Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, who's the next defenseman that you take over Evan Bouchard for the rest of this season? I don't know if there's another one. Before the season, I would have said Rasmus Dahlin or Amir Heiskanen, maybe Dougie Hamilton. It goes on and on. But right now, Bouchard, to me, even ahead of Adam Fox, I have him as the number three fantasy defenseman, and I feel pretty confident about that. Okay. And to wrap this up, a guy you just wrote about on DailyFaceOff.com, you should uh, definitely be taking a look at that, and that is Nashville Predators goalie, for now, UC Saros. Yes. So this has not been Saros's best year. And I know this is a Saros owner. Uh, it's been probably his worst season as a starter. He's been fighting just to stay at the 900 mark in terms of save percentage. But we know that he's capable of going on these otherworldly runs. And he often does so in the second half. So I'm not too worried about him even in the present. But the main reason why I have him ranked fairly generously, still comfortably in the top 10 among my goalies, is I still think it's possible he gets traded. I know that Barry Trotz told daily face-off zone Frank Saravalli a few months ago that Saros is not available but things can change and Yaroslav Askarov is playing so well in the AHL as we've discussed on this show already he's kind of forcing the issue and it might be time to hand him the keys and you can just get a real haul if you make Saros available there are some teams that are real contenders that really need help in net I'm looking at someone like the Carolina Hurricanes if the Devils can get back in the hunt he's a possibility Saros has an extra year left on his deal so the reason why I'm very bullish on Saros, one, he's still a great goalie, but two, he could land himself in a really exciting fantasy situation before the season's up, and he could be a real difference maker in your fantasy playoffs. So he's someone to watch very carefully. Now, goalies are very rarely traded to the trade deadline. Like, what was the last impact one? Ryan Miller, maybe? And that was like 10-ish years ago. Do you think he's traded? Uh, I think that... I think that there will be some inquiries made. I predict he gets traded in the summer um, because, again, there's not necessarily urgency. And then if you trade him in the summer, teams can already have an extension baked into it. He'll be eligible to sign one July 1st. But it's not unheard of. We saw Eunice Corpusala was traded at the deadline last year, and that was a pretty significant deal. He went in to join a contender as a starter. So that was kind of a throwback. And he played very well for a while. He sort of fell apart in the playoffs, but he was great down the stretch. So we've seen it happen. And the Kings are a team that I wonder... Are they willing to not cash out, but sort of relegate Cam Talbot to backup status? He's been playing much worse lately. Maybe he's feeling wear and tear. So I think Saros would be a good fit there as well. So we'll see. That's someone to watch really carefully. I will say that when we did our midseason voting for uh, Daily Faceoff, I put Cam Talbot as my third goalie. And at the time, it looked like that was still going to be possible. It was a little bit early in his like downslope stretch. But I don't know. I've just, why did I give... Why did I believe in Cam Talbot? I just, I've been burned so many times by thinking that it's going to make sense. Well, it's almost as if a 36 year old goalie needed to play less. And now the Kings are paying for it. He's lost all eight of his games, I think it is, in January. And his save percentage is like 863 or something like that. So, yeah, it's. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. He's turning into a pumpkin real fast. I will point out that in uh, for Jonathan Quick, he has six losses between regulation and, because oh, he's about 38, six losses between regulation and overtime, and five of them have come in the last, I think, seven games. Hmm. So... Again, showing that maybe using these old gray beard goalies is not necessarily a path to success at this point. Uh, let's change the topic a bit. Your best bet. What is it today? Yeah, this is a, a gutsy one, but those are the funnest types of bets. Uh, the New Jersey Devils, their current playoff odds are 20.1%. And they are a plus 2,400 Stanley Cup futures bet. And I kind of like it. To me, they have a couple games in hand. They're six points out of a playoff spot. But this team, even though they're more likely to miss the playoffs, I think that if they can get in on the final day, they can absolutely be the Florida Panthers of this year. We know how much talent they have. Jack Hughes will be back eventually. Jonas Siegenthaler will be back. you got Timo Meyer coming back already. Dougie Hamilton, if they can survive, maybe one round of the playoffs could be back. So you get your top pair back. And if they get a goalie, if they go and Tom Fitzgerald finally finds that netminder that they need, whether it's Saros, whether it's Marc-Andre Fleury, if he's healthy enough, James Reimer, whoever it's going to be, you upgrade in net, you get healthy in time, you creep into the playoffs on the final day, and suddenly the Devils are a nightmare matchup. If you're the top seed, your reward is to face a team that gets healthy at the right time and is stacked. Reminds me a lot of what we saw from the Florida Panthers last year. So put that all together, and I like the Devils as a long shot pick to go all the way if they can just get their foot in the door. We saw Florida almost did it last year, and New Jersey, to me, has a very similar makeup. You had Saros as, to the Devils as one of the options. Yeah, I'm correct, right? Yeah. So, I like, did. if you move in a guy like Seamus Casey, and I like Seamus Casey a lot, he'd be great for the Devils, but I feel like it would be worth it if that's part of the deal because yeah. I think the thing to keep in mind with Saros is he's 28 years old. Like, he's not that old yet. Like, he's that's still right. got a bunch of good years where if this devil's team is really serious, like that could be the piece you're missing and the piece that takes you all the way. So exactly. And in the, in the piece, the example I, I use for a trade with Seamus Casey and a first round pick is the sort of building blocks of that trade, basically repeating what they did for Timo Meyer when they traded Shakira McCombinolan and the first round pick last year. And that's worth it. hundred percent worth it to me. Sure. It is. Even though, even though Timo Meyer has been terrible, he's going to figure it out. I'm not too worried. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for a uh, best bet. Okay, after I just 
was a chatterbox for a good 20 minutes. Stephen, I want to turn the floor over to you. And you really sold me on this prospect, the Winnipeg Jets, this week when you did your weekly prospect roundup on Daily Faceoff. You just had a lot of great things to say about this kid. So tell me more about Rucker McGorty. He's good. That's it. All right. More, we're talking, <laughs> All right. End uh, of podcast. See ya. That's it. That's easy. Uh, yeah. I, I think I might be higher than on Rucker McGorty than a lot of people. I know I, I made the argument that he they might not need to go and make another trade of the deadline. Like Rooker McGrody, if he turns pro could be like this piece that gives them some extra scoring uh, uh, skill here for sure. And I was high on him in his draft year. I thought that maybe going, I think it was, it was 14th overall. I thought that was almost a little too low, just given how much talent he has. And, um, you know, a couple weeks before the world juniors, the big question was whether or not he was going to be able to play. He went like back first into the boards was in the hospital. It's like, Oh, this is not good for a guy who could be a physical threat who can do all this stuff physical without being stupid. He only has two penalty minutes this year. He's taken one minor penalty all year long uh, in the, uh, the NCAA, but he's actually at 10 penalty minutes, the world juniors, but he knows how to play at the edge. He plays with, with skill, with speed, with energy, all of that. He's just, he's not Carter Goche level, but he's like, He's still a top 15, top 20 prospect in the NHL right now. Having a great season in Michigan. He's driving so much of the offense. He's got 34 points in 19 games. He had nine points in seven games of the World Juniors. But just since returning from, and obviously this will change uh, over the next little bit, he had a three-point debut in his first game back uh, with the University of Michigan, two points the night after, and then a pair of four-point efforts against Michigan State. Now, the first game was a 7-1 win, but the second one was a 7-5 loss. Michigan State's a good team, so putting up four points against them twice is actually very notable, uh, especially when you got a goalie like Trey Augustine in net. And he's continued to just put up points every single game he's played since he's come back. So he's playing some of the best hockey I've seen from him. I think the fact that he is willing to go anywhere on the ice, he could play with just about anybody. Like You could throw him on there on, on the wing with like Cole Perfetti, and I feel like they're going to create a ton of damage. Or you put him on with with Mark Shifley again, same thing. Like he could play with anybody. He's proven that no matter who his center has been at any level, that he's just so dynamic. Does a lot of the play driving himself. Um, Winnipeg Jets have a very good one. I'm not sure again whether next year the the answer is to have him play full season of pro hockey uh, in the AHL or, the, or or go to the NHL, but. He could also, if Michigan, because University of Michigan is not looking like a favorite right now to win the national title, if they lose or if they come up short, does he go back and try to chase it next year when Michigan is another uh, competitive team again? I'm not sure, but I think just the way that he's playing right now, I have no no doubt that he'd be able to play in the uh, in the NHL next year. And the Winnipeg Jets like have drafted some pretty good solid players. You know, they're not never drafting early, but they're continuing to find these value picks between the 14th to 20th pick. And as long as you just keep doing that, it's going to pay off. For sure. And to me, I wonder if he could have that sort of late impact like we saw with Matthew Nyes coming into the Toronto Maple Leafs. In the playoffs, of course, Kale McCarr did it a few years back, Chris Kreider. There have been lots of different examples. And McGordy, to me, I'm excited because he just has the most pirate-sounding name in, in hockey. Jack Sparrow, it's me. Like he's just a pirate. Come on. It's, it's funny. You're not the first person to say that, but like look look at some of the guys that he's played with in recent years. Cutter Goche, Jimmy Snuggroot, Logan Cooley, Redmond Savage or Red Savage. Uh, you know, these you know, Luke Middlestad. You know, he's playing with some guys with some great names. That's true. Fair enough. So I think that just means it's perfect success. But the thing to kind of add on to the call or to the late season college thing coming up and, and being very impactful, it's like with Matthew Nyes last year, he looked a lot better in his first few NHL games than I'd argue most of this season. And that's because you're compared to everybody else who played 60, 70 games at that point. Like he, he played like 30. 
That's and, right. And you're also jacked because you can work out like crazy when you're in college. You're only yeah. playing like on the weekend and you can just yeah. pump iron. You yeah. play two games and, and some of these top teams are also playing against some pretty weak competition where University of Michigan go out there and win a game 9 nothing, and Nancy Nice didn't have to do anything. So a guy like that, like like a, a situation like that is very valuable, which is why I'm thinking like if he turns pro, like that could be someone you could throw in the middle six immediately and go and produce because he's been on this hot streak this year, this great momentum, and he doesn't play a ton of games. And he missed some games too to make it even on a smaller workload. So yeah, that playing in the world juniors definitely adds to that. But uh, I think a guy like that could come in and thrive. So uh, I guess you just can't really knock a situation like that. Um, but that's it for talk about Rooker McGrody. Do you want to do some questions now? Let's do some questions. I'm ready. All right. Sean Clifton asks, do you have faith in Samuel Erson being Philadelphia's long-term starter? And I picked him up in one of my pools and I actually, he's going to be a key part of my next Calder update. But what is your thoughts on Samuel Erson? Yeah, it's a great question from Sean here because of course it's pressing with Carter Hart taking a leave of absence. We have the Hockey Canada investigation looming at the time of recording this. Hart is not being unveiled as one of the players who has surrendered to police, but it's looking like a very strong possibility. So either way, it's very likely we don't see Carter Hart again at least this season. So yes, there is a huge vacancy in that Philadelphia Flyers crease. Is Urson going to be the one to seize it? I'm not too convinced. He is an undersized goaltender, 6'2", and he has not been dominant at any level he's played in the pros. Look through his career, whether he's playing in the AHL, playing back in Sweden, other than playing at the junior level, just playing in the SHL. He just It's not like he was the stud anywhere. He's been just fine. And he sort of just found his way to the NHL through a series of, I don't want to say fortunate, he's earned his way, but I wouldn't say he's done so by just running laps around the league. I haven't seen it. And to me, he's got this big opportunity. He's been thrust into more duty and he's already showing signs of wilting. 826 save percentage in his last five outings. So that's not exactly the message you want to send when you get this huge opportunity. So overall, I'm not super confident that he's going to be the guy long term. Yeah, I'm also not confident in Cal Peterson um, either. But when you look at some of the other goalies in the system, they've got they got Carson Bjarnason, who's pretty uh, solid, might likely going to be battling for Canada's starting position next year at the juniors. Alexi Kolosov out of Belarus is pretty good. Uh, Igor Zavrogin's good. Felix Sandstrom's got some, you know, let's see what happens there. A little older, though, at this point. But, uh, you know, I think the one loss there was Ivan Fedotov and everything that's you know the whole kidnapping thing there but um that's a story for a different day this question comes from jeff goodman Corey perry in edmonton is interesting what type of production are you expecting yeah i again this is a really relevant question of course everybody's going to want to know this when you drop someone to into the basically the fantasy hockey version of the greatest show on turf uh <laughs> it feels like anybody who touches it is going to be fantasy relevant but i wouldn't hold my breath Corey Perry has mostly been playing on very good teams in recent years, you know, Tampa Bay, Dallas before that, and he has not even hit the 20 goal mark in eight years. He is 39 years old this spring. I do think he's going to get a look at some point. I'm sure there'll be a little line juggling where he suddenly gets thrown into the top six, gets a look on the power play. Everybody will go crazy, rush to the wire. Oh, Corey Perry has four points in his last three games. I feel like that will happen. But just based on his age, I don't think it's going to be sustainable. So I wouldn't hold my breath. If I were you, if he's available, I'd pick him up. And then if he has a good game, I would try to capitalize on the hype and trade him immediately. Yep, 100% there. He is a dailyfaceoff.com, does have him as playing on the second power play unit. Um, but he is on the third line. And you look at that and the way that Oilers are rolling, they're not going to really 
change the lines too much if they don't have to at this point. So it almost feels like he's got to like overcompensate uh, in the short term if he's going to get a lot of ice time. I think that's how I'm looking at it. You know, in Chicago, it was easy to be more of a star player when you know they don't have anyone to play with. But the Oilers, you know, Zach Hyman's having a great year. Warren Fogle's looking pretty good. Yeah, he outbeat Connor Brown, but Connor Brown still has zero goals, so that's not too hard to do. Um, I don't think this is the same thing as like when they brought in Evander Kane, where no. Evander Kane came in and immediately was a star. Um, yeah, but he exactly. was like in the height of his career as opposed to being at the end of his career. Yeah, that's the key difference. It's, it's no knocking Corey Perry. It's just he's 39 years old. You know, that's the age at which most players are retired. Not everybody can be Joe Pavelski. Perry's been still serviceable, but I don't think he's suddenly going to become a star. And again, just Tampa Bay is the best example. That team had so many elite players. They won two Stanley Cups, and he was with so many of the of the players who were on the winning teams, even though he joined after the fact. And it's not like he lit it up just playing on that team, right? So I, I expect it to be similar with the Oilers. Uh, Steven, let's finish the starting lineup now. We'll finish the show with the starting lineup, and we're going to do a callback to one we did fairly recently where I made my really weird, probably lame music festival. I think you're much more of a music guy than I am, or at least you're much more established and confident in your specific tastes. So I want you to give me your imaginary music festival. I assume that the bands will sound like this. <laughs> so i'm gonna guess that it's gonna be six different bands to do that but i'll give you a chance to prove me wrong all right well i'm gonna start off with the probably the heaviest of all the bands on my list lorna shore and uh if you don't know anything about them their their uh singer will ramos can sound like an absolute demon uh he can be totally terrifying he makes this pig noise that is actually pretty crazy um he's probably one of the best metal vocalists around like actually like harvard researchers have been like like trying to like understand his his voice and his range and it's like unbelievable what he's able to do and i believe almost every song he records he does in one take because he wants it to be as accurate to the live show as possible but it's unbelievable so if you're a metal fan you haven't listened to lorna shore i don't know what you're doing so they're gonna terrify the whole crowd right off the bat <laughs> Before then, bringing in Dragon Force. Uh, you guys might remember their great song, Through the Final Flames from Guitar Hero 3. They are still one of my favorite bands. I've seen them live twice. Unbelievable live show. And they are they kind of really play into the video game side of things. Like they have giant arcade machines. So they have like this great show. They're all like, they're incredible musicians. Like two, uh, uh, Herman Lee and Sam Trotman are two of the best guitar players you're going to find out there. Uh, the bass work's amazing. The drum work's amazing. The vocal work by Mark Hudson is incredible. Not a huge mainstream band because they're a power metal band that sings about dragons and things like that. You know, not overly popular, but they put on a show and that's the point. So after being terrified from the first band, everyone's going to be dancing to, you know, a band that plays at the fastest beats per minute you're going to find of any band. Uh, so big fan of Dragon Force. Going to slow it down a bit, but one of my favorite live acts will go up next, and that is Billy Talent. I've seen them, I think, seven or eight times. I actually got to go backstage with them once, uh, where a friend of mine knew someone in the band, and I got to talk to the band, as well as members of Ask, or of um, 
Alexis on fire. And we got to talk about the NHL trade deadline. I want to say this was the Kevin Shattenkirk year. And we're talking about, they were like, oh, is Kevin Shattenkirk going to the Leafs? And it's like, I don't know. It sounds like a, uh, like, I don't know if that's the right decision for them. And we literally talked about like the trade deadline for like an hour <laughs> afterwards. It was awesome. But again, just a great band that performs live. Every show has been good. Uh, they don't put a whole ton of music out these days, but uh, even for the hockey fans there, you remember uh, Turn Your Back from NHL 9. You'll remember uh, Red Flag from NHL 6, one of the best video game songs you're going to find. So uh, there's that. Them going with Slipknot because, again, another band with uh, great performance. Now, you know, they're slowing down. They're in their 50s now, and they seem to be firing band members more often than not. But nine band members with masks yelling at you with a huge sound. You got three drummers. You've got uh, it's a great show. If you get a chance to see Slipknot, you probably won't have a lot more time opportunity to do it. But I, I recommend it. Corey Taylor still doing an unbelievable job. They know how to run a crowd. There's a reason they headline festivals. Number two kind of we're going to put the guitars away it's going to be eminem because eminem again knows how to hype up a crowd oh what a zag i didn't see very, that one coming very different um he uh i feel bad for him i'm not a football fan but he was really looking forward to seeing the detroit lions because the difference between him and taylor swift is there would be a better chance of eminem actually being at the super bowl um but when it comes to him it's like he's people love him every time he does a show it's a big deal and uh i've He's one of the few guys kind of outside of the rock and metal I'll listen to. A part of it is because he's kind of, you know, he's more of an aggressive uh, rapper, more aggressive on that. He, he likes rock music. He likes things like that. And you can tell how he incorporates that, especially in his more recent albums. But number one, I think a band that a lot of people have seen on TV recently, uh, Green Day, my favorite band. They continue to just do some great stuff. It, it They had a couple of pretty not great albums in a row, but their newest one, Saviors, I'd say is probably the best album they've done since 21st Century Breakdown. Um, they played at the Great Cup. They played in the uh, the Dick Clark's New Year's Eve thing. They've been doing a bunch of stuff. Um, they're, they're fun. I'm looking forward to their tour because they're playing all of Dookie and all of American Idiot and then some other songs. It's going to be like two to three hour concert, probably closer to three hour concerts. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm driving to Michigan for, to see that because uh, they play in Toronto at the same time of the Helenka Gretzky cup. So I want to watch that too. So uh, that's my concert. Uh, you've got some more, you know, pop punk band. You got a rapper, you've got uh, a new metal favorite. You've got a power metal band and you've got one of the best deathcore bands in the world right now. Okay. I, I like this show. I think that I would enjoy it. Like, I think I would go to it. I think the key hurdle for you is just that first act. If you scare too many people away, is that going to, like, if people think that that's going to be the whole show, if they're terrified right off the bat, do you need to put that act a little deeper in the show so that you have people won over? That's the only question I have for you. But other than that, I really like the lineup. Maybe Eminem's got to go to a, watch a football game so he can go first to just kind of like just get out of there quicker. Maybe maybe we have to do that. We'll see. But my other idea was potentially Dragon Force just to get the crowd pumping because they're fast. They're energetic. They got a party style sound despite being, again, one of the fastest bands you'll find. So okay. I don't know. Maybe I just kind of went from smaller to bigger, I guess. Yeah, but I'm very well executed. I think it's excellent. Uh, and that will end this week's show, everybody. Uh, just a note, we will not have a show next week. There isn't any actual fantasy-relevant hockey being played between now and our next show. So we're going to take a one-week break for the All-Star break, and then we'll come back. And in a couple weeks, we'll start helping you prepare for your fantasy hockey trade deadline. Thank you for watching and listening. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? 
Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.